Rewind with Oisín Langan. Towards Lamelas there for Harry Kane. He scored at the end of the first half. He scored at the end of the second half. Harry Kane, six yards out. And that is surely it. Tottenham are going back within two points of Leicester. Uh, observers are not supporters. Supporters stand behind their club. We uh, want to fight until the end of the season for every single game. And uh, that's what we did. So it is very sad, but we want now to focus on the next game. You sound like you don't believe you're under pressure, Arsenal, as a Sorry? manager. You don't believe you're under pressure as a manager now? Thank you very much. It's a new team for Waterford have been beaten in the first time in the league in two years. Like, you know, so we'd have to go and study the DVD, see what we realise we, we, we can improve and them. As I said, roll on Galway next Sunday. Referee's a tough job, like no different to the players and ourselves, and I'd have to see them again. But And, and the balance of play, OK, he got how many, how many scores from free, free to say? Well, he won 12 in total. I think he got 1-3 uh, from play. 1-3 from play, so 9 from freeze, and I think Patrick Horgan got? 6. 6 from freeze. So... Tell this own story. We dream about winning a match like, like this today. There's a big part of what we want is get them in full of confidence, these young boys, and, and see where it can bring them. But I'd be very proud of the way they apply themselves. Really, really great stuff. This is the Rewind Sports Podcast on News Talk. Those were some of the highs and lows of the weekend just gone. Coming up, Paddy Mulligan on the Airtricity League, the Champions League, and Arsenal's current travails. And we'll hear from Trevor Hogan and Fergus McFadden on what Ireland can take from their 58 15 win over Italy at the Aviva in sunshine at the Aviva as well it's all Ireland club final week we're with Ballyboden's dual star Connell Keeney as he prepares for their clash with Castlebar Mitchells we'll also take a whistle stop tour of the Allianz Hurling and Football Leagues hearing from among others Kevin McStay Stephen Rochford Dan Shanahan and Jer Cunningham there's also more from Cork boss Kieran Kingston on their one point loss to Kilkenny and whether or not the players held a players only meeting last week in the aftermath of their loss against Dublin and their poor results up to that point they're in the relegation playoff either way but they can take some pride out of their defeat to Kilkenny on Saturday night we'll hear more from Kingston soon we'll also hear from our Cats boss Brian Cody let's start as always though with Paddy and of course Raf Diallo of Team 33 and off the ball Paddy we heard from Arsene Wenger in the introduction Uh, what do you make of what he said after their 2-1 defeat to Watford a defeat which puts them out of the cup it's just the same same old Arsen Wenger. He's not accepting responsibility for the the the, the type of player that he's bought, uh, the lack of quality that Arsenal are showing. They've never been in a better position to go and uh, win a, a, a Premier League than this year with all the so-called big guns uh, falling uh, away, and that is that's not the Chelsea of this world and, and the Man United and Man Cities. So he's never had a better opportunity, and yet he hasn't bought well. And there's a, there's a weakness with the players that he buys. That's what suggests to me that there's a weakness in, in Arsene Wenger as well. I know he's done very well for Arsene o- o- over the years, but we're, we're talking about this year. And, and uh, he's there 20 years. Fergie overstayed as well, come at Man United 26 years. And look at the mess that they're in. Now, I think that, that, that at Wenger, I'm a great fan of Wenger's, but I think that it's time now for, for, for Arsene Wenger to go and, and go maybe at the end of the season because they're not going to win anything this year. They're playing Barcelona this yeah. week but they're going, to be, they're going to be dumped out of the, of the Champions League. There's no question about that. They're not going to win the league. Now, funny you should mention Mesto because Fergie left. Exactly. United would be delighted to have the season, I would imagine, that Arsenal are having in some ways. At least they look like they're going to get into the Champions League. At, lo- at least they were in the title fight. Yeah, but so Arsenal, it's dangerous if Arsenal goes. Yeah. I mean, if they can maintain what they have, it's but a been, better alternative to becoming what Manchester United became under Moyes. I don't, I, I, see, I, I don't think so. I don't think that Arsenal will, will, will ever win a, a league again with, with Wenger. I think, he, I think he's outstayed his welcome. 
and primarily because of the lack of quality of player that he's buying. And that's that's my huge concern. Yes, he bought Petr Cech, but he needs central defenders. He needs midfielders, and he needs it's it's patently obvious he needs front men as well. And he's done nothing. He's done nothing about that. Not even the January window. I know the January window is is a mess. But this is every year we're saying the same thing about Arsenal, and he's living on past glories. And that's the sad part about it. I'm a great admirer of Arsene Wenger. Always have been, but. This time and he's got you've got to, you've got to call hot and take a long hard look and also Shane, they've become a business club. You know you'd be very worried about the about the football side of things. They're a huge business club and as long as they're in in, in the black, oh, Arsenal is doing a great job for the directors. But the fans, say if if, if you're at the Emirates uh, yesterday and you spoke to any of the fans, they've just they've just about had enough of it. They're paying top dollar to go and see their team. Lack of performance again. That's 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 crazy stuff. The one thing Wenger does do a lot, though, is kind of back his players publicly. Um, now you occasionally maybe too much. Yeah, occasionally you do hear stories. You know? Maybe the odd time he will have a go at them privately. But I don't know. As a player, do you sometimes feel like once there's a bad performance that you need uh, a manager to actually just give you a bollocking, or is it, or is it actually better maybe to almost defend at times? No, some some players you have to put your arm around and 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 and, and try and cajole them. Other players they need a right going over. Yeah. And and the, the majority of players these days need a right going over as simple as that because they've become too powerful in the clubs and they're earning far too much money so they don't some of them don't some of them don't really care as to whether whether their performance is good bad or indifferent and, and what they what they what they seem to tend to forget from what, what, what from where I'm sitting is that they forget that the fans are the people who pay their wages. What is it now? What is the art of management now? If that's the case, if you can't give a guy a bollocking if you can't say look you guys are being can't paid say, to do yeah. this then you how can't do say you a go about to, managing you can't say, any, any, you can't say a, a bad word to any of these lads yeah. or I'll say sulk you know and it's, it's a, it's a night Pep Guardiola do it it's, then, it's, a, it's a night at two clubs yeah. now yeah it's a nightmare of a job yeah. there's, there's no question about that but you know what you're getting into when you're going there yeah. so you have got to be far stronger mentally than the players and I'm not so, I'm not so sure that, that, that Wenger is at this juncture that's the, that's the sad part about it. Guardiola is still a very young man, still a young manager, has had great success at, at, at Barcelona, fairly reasonable success at, at, at Bayern Munich, and he will, there's no question about it, he will have success at, at, at Man City. But you need, you need to be very, very hard. Look at Fergie. Fergie, Fergie was, was a tyrant. Uh, and all of the top managers were. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't suffer fools gladly. You know, Bill Shankly was, Bill Nicholson was, Don Revy was. Busby was, Ferguson was, but and, and these are the top men who have gone on and, and won all, all of the is major Jose trophies. Mourinho in that kind of bracket, Mourinho was in that bracket as well. Yes. Guys. So yeah. how does he get away with it, or is it a fact that he can get away with it for so long, and then we saw Chelsea, they just stopped doing it for yeah, him? Yeah, but you see the result of Chelsea not not backing Mourinho now. Yeah. You see the result of it. Costa wants to get away, which is patently obvious. But it was carry on. Hazard wants to get away. Now Mourinho wanted, in fairness to Mourinho, he wanted new players in last summer. Yeah. And it wasn't forthcoming. Now, Mr. Abramovich, now you see the mess that Chelsea are in. And believe you me, Oshin, they are in a complete and utter mess because I don't know when they're going to get back to the level that they were at. Now, they would have been better off giving him the money to go and buy theirs because he knew he's with these players every day, manager with the players every day of the week. So they should know them inside out. Now, Mourinho did know his players inside out. And yet, Abramovich got rid of him. Yes, they were going through a, a terrible spell. But if he'd backed them in the summer, that terrible spell might not have happened because the people that he maybe wanted to get rid of are the people he could afford to leave on the, on, on, on the sideline. He then had to go and play them. 
and that's and maybe perhaps that's where his problem was. I know I know what sort of a head case the uh, Mourinho can be. He, he you know he, he can annoy a saint, yeah. but by the same token, he's a he's he's a brilliant manager. And I do believe that when he does go to Man United, although it's a long drawn out affair, but when he does eventually get there in the summer. You see a huge change in Man United. Do they desperately want someone like Mourinho to come in and be a Ferguson type who will take control of the club? You know, and they, will those players then listen to him? Because you seem to be saying he has to, regards he, Wenger and modern players, that kind of manager's time might be done. It, it could be done, but, but Mourinho is a stickler. I mean, Mourinho has, is a different style of manager altogether than, than what Wenger is. Mourinho will call the shots. Mourinho will go around. And if he, somebody needs a land based, then he'll give them a land based. Yeah. I'm not so sure that Wenger is as strong as that. And then the quality of player that Mourinho buys is always somebody who plays on the edge, yeah. which means they've got a hardness about them. The quality of player that Wenger buys is always somebody who doesn't want to go near the edge, except, yeah. to, except to put the manager over the edge and to put the fans over the edge. I mean, Sanchez is a wonderful, wonderful talent, and I admire him greatly. But since he was in it, he hasn't produced. You need the big players in your team to go and produce. And if Sanchez isn't producing, you can't present Coughlin to go and you can't uh, ask Coughlin to go and produce or Mertesacker at the back. I mean, what a what a daft boy that was. Look at Kuchelny. and he have to, Gabriel yesterday, a lucky lucky boy mm-hmm. to stay on the pitch. Should have, should have gone for the two for the tackle. Referee right beside him didn't see it. You know, and and, and they they tackled stupidly. Arsenal Arsenal are not a clever team, and, and and Wenger might think they are clever, but they're not that clever at all. Which which has to question his judgment. And that's where that's the only thing that I'm, I'm judging Arsene Wenger on. I want to stick with managers, but change managers. Uh, Rafa Benitez taking charge of Newcastle. If you're listening to this on Monday, his first game is tonight away to leaders Leicester. Good Go on, Leicester. <laughs> Good appointment or bad appointment? Terrible, terrible, terrible acceptance. Awful appointment. No, a, a so great, bad on both sides. A great, a great appointment from Newcastle if they if they thought they could go and get him. But a terrible decision, I think, for Benitez to go and say, yes, I'm going to go to Newcastle, unless he, he, he must be desperate to come back into the Premier League. But he doesn't need to show his, 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 his qualities in the, Premier, in the Premier League. He's already been there. I think the thing for him, though, um, he's moving back because his family still stayed in England despite the fact he went off to Inter Milan, Real Madrid. They stayed in the Liverpool area. That's why he's saying around the world. I think that's why he's always kind of thought Premier League is where he's going to go back to. Yeah. There's the the weird thing about Newcastle. I look at their squad and there's talent, great talents on paper. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, Rafa Benitez might have been a great manager had they been up higher up in the table. But just where they are in a relegation zone, do you think maybe the lack of experience, of knowledge of that type of battle when you're up against say a Sam Allardyce that that's going to kind of go against them they've got Leicester tonight away from home they've got Sunderland uh, again on Saturday which is the the biggest game uh, of the season for for both Newcastle and and Sunderland certainly for Newcastle and he's come in at a very very bad time it's very very unfair um, of of the Newcastle board they go and behave the way that they did McCarron has been a dead man walking for months he should have gone months months ago. Shouldn't have been appointed in the first place. That was another bad appointment because he was having a nightmare at Derby County. Yeah, and and he got the, he got the push from Derby, and then Newcastle take him. So Newcastle deserve all that they get, and they got they got everything. And a man who stands on the touchline for, as England manager with that um, stupid umbrella over his head, I'll never forgive him for that alone. <laughs> trying to trying to trying to save the little bit of hair that he had. God help us! It's sad when when ego gets in your way to that degree. Um, Do you really think it was down to that, the, the brolly? Oh yeah, that's all it like, was. Is it because not fair enough him standing there and keeping not at all. Dry? No, why? You're not interested in keeping yourself dry. You're interested in watching the match. You couldn't care care less if a thunderstorm was there. 
You're interested. You're focused yeah. on the match, and that's it. And if you're drowned, you can go and get your clothes off. You didn't have a shower afterwards. There's no problem with it. But his ego, or whoever, whoever his agent or management team are, oh, you must look the part. Oh, you must look the part, all right. Be able, you better be able to produce it as well. well he, and he couldn't. He couldn't produce if that night. His keeper that night, Scott Carson, was able to save. It was dreadful. Fairly normal shots. Then it was. Do you know something? Yeah. Yeah. It was embarrassing. It, it was. We don't have to get into that because yeah. it was what. But you see, Billich there the other week. Eight years ago at this stage. Eight years ago at this stage. Eight years ago. Exactly. Eight years ago. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we get into a lot, a lot of us no- still have a little bit of fun poking fun at England. It's called immature. Yeah, with the arrogance of the of the English rugby crowd. Now we better get her get her spoke. In very very quickly, we, but Benitez is on a, is on a hiding to nothing. But now look at he's got his. I think he's got a clause in the contract, doesn't he? To say that if they go down to the championship, yeah, so that that covers them to a great degree. But it's going to be. A but does it cover <coughs> his reputation? I mean, we're looking at Newcastle and thinking it's a basket case. Of course, but even at that, even you wouldn't if take Rafa the job. Doesn't keep no. them up. You wouldn't it take still the job. Discredits him. Yes, you wouldn't take the job. That's why I said at the outset that Rafa must be nuts to go and take that job. It's a home for the sick, lame, and lazy. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it's always been. Ushin, in 1955 was the last time they won a domestic competition when they beat Manchester City 3-1 in, 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 a cup, in the FA Cup final when the cup was something to behold. And that's their last uh, domestic competition. Next one was the Ferris Cup in 1969. Yeah. So... Okay, just before we let you go, we want to talk to you about the Electricity League. Another series of games tonight, Monday again, if you're listening on Monday. Um, Cork that's City. a bit unfair, I think, as well. Monday night games yeah, yeah because too. a lot of players are part time oh yes exactly exactly that's the, that's the only reason I think it's unfair on, on, on the lads you know to, to, to spread it out a little bit I don't know why it couldn't be arranged an awful lot better uh, playing the Friday and play again on the Monday yeah. so I'm playing the Saturday no it's I don't, think, I don't think it's good two rounds in what have you made of it so far well, it's, it's 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 very early days yet. The dark are going to be the the, the trendsetters, no question about that. You'd like to see. It's great to see that that Galway and Galway are up on the, uh, on the top of the league at this moment in time, and let's hope they continue on in, in that decent form. Bowes had a good win the other night against against Sligo, but you're, you're, again, you're looking at the Dundalks and the Corks of of this world to, to go and set the world on, on fire a little bit. And St Pat's now have got to come back. They've got to bounce back also. Because they, they had a bad result there the other week against Galway and they got beaten three one at home. You know, Liam Buckley wouldn't be happy with that. No more than the Pats players would be happy with that. Yeah. But so it was a, it was a it was a bad result for them. But look, they've got they've got a long hard road ahead of them. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's going to be interesting. But Dundalk, you couldn't be looking past Dundalk at this. Yeah, there there was a kind of top four the last two years as well. There was uh, Pats and Shamrock Rovers just outside the top two, and then Dundalk and Cork. Is there a team maybe from outside of it that you think? Would it be maybe Galway that would be most threatening to that to break no, into they, that four, or is do you think it's going to stay kind of? No, I think same? I think it remain pretty much yeah. the same. I think that Galway could be could be maybe fifth or sixth or something. Yeah. Um, but okay. you'll you'll have, you'll have Rovers coming back in again. They've had they've had two good wins. Yeah. Um, whether they can sustain the the form for the whole season, that's that's the whole question. Dundalk are a proven uh, a proven team. Cork are proven to a great degree, and Rovers are hovering. But it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. No matter which way it pans out, it's going to be interesting between three or four teams. Yeah, anyway, yeah. that's for sure. And, may, and maybe there might be a surprise. Maybe somebody will, will come along like, like, like the likes of Galway. It'd be great to go and, and say just like what Leicester did. Yeah, uh, it's or, kind or, of like what did about two or three years ago. Yes, yeah. Uh, they came out of nowhere and, uh, well, maybe it wasn't as, uh, in hindsight, maybe it feels like it was out of nowhere, but they kind of broke into that uh, top two or three oh, yeah, and it was brilliant. went straight on and won the, uh, won the league. Yeah, and not long won it, won it once, went, on, went, yeah. went yeah. On and retained it as well. It was brilliant. Seven brilliant goals stuff. in two games and they have a Western Derby tonight against Sligo, so it's all heating up. Paddy Mulligan as always thank you very much Raf Diallo as always thank you very much Cheers. thank you Oshin
It's still to come hurling and football but first rugby and Ireland's 58-15 win over Italy and our clash with Scotland this Saturday at the Aviva. Trevor Hogan was on analysis for Off the Ball over the weekend. I asked him what, if anything, we can take out of Saturday's game considering how poor the Azuri played. First though, it's try scorer Fergus McFadden who came off the bench three times. He's been talking about how the squad has evolved in recent weeks ahead of a busy time for them as players. Listen, you know, we're taking one game at a time but you look at the Scots, they pose a big threat here next week but then you go into a tour away to South Africa, three tests, then Australia, two tests against the All Blacks. So yeah, but I think, you know, with the injuries that have, um, have happened this year, I think in a way uh, it's, it's allowed the team to try a few different combinations put a few younger guys in and if anything it's made the squad um, more competitive so hopefully um, that'll pay dividends down the line Is it a hard one to balance because you were excellent today you executed really well but Italy were very poor so how do you view it as a player? Um, well I suppose you can only play what's in front of you really and um, you know scoring I think we you know we outscored England against them there I think and uh, um, you know getting nine tries on the board with eight different scores you know it showed that we did play quite expansive rugby and um, I mean you can say what you want about the opposition but you know they did make it very tough for England for 50 minutes and they put in a big performance against France so at the end of the day you can only play what's in front of you and I think we'll worry about ourselves and I thought we were good today Did you feel today that you really showed the stuff that you'd been working on being a little bit more expansive being a bit more potent in attack or was it just you were always doing this but it just kind of clicked today yeah well I think going back to my first point of, of getting off to that quick start um, we knew that was going to be huge against the Italians to kind of knock the wind out of their sails and between Andrew and CJ's try um, you could see them getting a small bit sloppier around the place um, and their heads dipping so I think that that good start was was um, a big springboard for us yeah that's uh, that's be probably one of the overriding factors is how bad Italy were but it's, it's, it's just about your own personal perspective I mean the stat I'm taking out is that five Connacht players were on the pitch there and that's shown a real shift in, in power of Irish rugby and you know maybe the depth as well that we have coming through Alton Delan coming on bringing such uh, such power and explosive behind Dunnick Ryan who was just outstanding you know as ma- in man of the match all over the field we've got we've got the depth despite the, a lot of the negativity that you know is out there one of the things that fans wanted coming into the Six Nations and many pundits as well they wanted experimentation they wanted Ireland to play with a bit more flair did we see that today or again is it hard to judge because we were watching it through the prism of Ireland playing against a very very poor team we've seen how good Italy can be in the Six Nations but today we've seen how poor they can be as well see yeah you're right you have to temper it by how bad everything by how weak Italy were in defence but I still think we scored probably the best try I've ever seen from, from an Irish side there with the with the initial wraparound with Mer- Fergus McFadden being finished off at the other end uh, he slips try in the yeah, first half yeah, yeah. so I, I, I'm trying to think have we scored a more complete try you know off one phase I can't remember so that maybe would satisfy a lot of people there was some really good touches across the board but it's about marrying all those elements the physicality the aggression the skill levels the kicking the aerial skills all of it combines to produce the the complete game and we did do that you know allowing for how bad Italy were it's Scotland next up what will Joe take out of today's game I presume there won't be too many changes because he's happy with how it went and Simon Zebo was solid at fullback again watching through the yeah. prism of Italy being so poor though exactly yeah well you'd have to think he'd probably be definitely vindicated in the selections all the people he came under pressure for select and produced and 
Zebo is also he's going to be putting a lot of pressure on Rob Carney now because of what he produced today. So that's what you want. That's the kind of environment that's there. They're still looking for that third place. They'll need Scotland will be the ultimate dis, dis, decider of that. If you can get third place, it's what they set out to go for, and the IRFU have got the, the million euro difference. <laughs> yeah, that it does make a big difference. And the IRFU have said that's why we have to concentrate on the Six Nations. That's why we can't just throw them by experimenting. But um, what will they work on during the week? Because Scotland provide a different threat to Italy, don't they? Yeah, but and you you remember that Scotland though last year we absolutely hammered them in the last game. Um, so they'll probably be hurting. I think Scotland are definitely developing. They do provide a lot more in terms of attack. You have to have watch hog a lot more. Like Italy didn't really threaten at all, apart from the odd break from Parisi and Campanaro. Scotland will have a little bit more, but I think. It's in terms of us today on today's performance the defence and the attack shape was really good and just build on that again and produce a bit of consistency which maybe we were lacking at times in the past Do players take confidence out of a performance like that? Oh have to like looking at the, the body language and the faces there coming off the pitch definitely they will be buzzing going into next week and you can see even the body language this week all the stuff around um, the selection was you know it was affecting lads you could see they were down a bit and even in press conferences so There'll be a bit more enthusiasm and energy and training and that will definitely affect I'd say how we perform hopefully and with a bit more confidence in next week This is the Rewind Sports Podcast on News Talk and that was Trevor Hogan on Ireland's win over Italy That victory by the way was followed up by the women's team beating Italy the next day at Donnybrook In there as well you heard from Fergus McFadden well, it's Gaelic football now and Mayo are in the midst of a relegation dogfight with two games remaining following their defeat to Kerry in Castlebar. 2-13 to 14 points the final score. Uh, Johnny Buckley and Donica Walsh with the goals for Kerry while Kieran Donaghy was sent off for a second yellow card midway through the second half. Mayo manager Stephen Rochford spoke to Off The Ball's own Sheehan about their game plan and execution. It was very interesting watching your defence almost evolve today. I think you almost tried to push up a little bit once Kerry went down to 14 men. It's like seeing a full court press in underage basketball. Um, is that something you perhaps you could look at throughout this league campaign? Because I know um, you went man-to-man for a lot of that first half, if I'm not mistaken, and then kind of pushed up as soon as Kerry lost a man. Is there any light you could shed on that, the way you set up defensively? I think I think you know your shape can be dictated by a number of factors. It can be you know whether whether like we played with the breeze in the first half, so you know we 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 could afford to to make a, a bit more of a man on man effort. And uh, I think we weren't you know our, our attitude was we weren't going to win the game by by holding players back, especially when we went down to uh, especially when Kerry went down to to, to fourteen men. So you know the. That were the that were the circumstances that dictated to to, to, to push on, but um, you know we we, we, we continue to, to review uh, all parts of our game and um, we're looking to uh, you know improve on, on 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 a lot of things from from week to week from game to game and you know that's going to be no different as we as we look into the, to the next game. And just finally, I know obviously you've got Ross Common next. It's going to be a huge occasion in Connacht because suddenly this becomes a massive game for you. Um, do you think Ross Common will almost be going into this game looking to relegate Mayo and will they be more fired up for that? Obviously, it's a huge game for you. Could you just put into perspective how big this, this Ross Common Mayo game all of a sudden has turned out to be? Uh, to be honest, I'd have, I'll have, I have no idea how Ross Common will approach the game. I mean, that'll be that'll be totally their own business. Um, we'll, we'll have to, uh, like, I mean, our approach into this game was very much around. Uh, taking the game to Kerry, um, I think that was reflective in our first 35 minutes um, when we put ourselves in a really strong position to go and win the game. 
individual mistakes or certain circumstances within the game um, dictated otherwise, um, and and that was reflective in the final final result today. But look, we we got to we got to dust ourselves down. We got two weeks to prepare for for Roscommon, which who are going. Absolutely flying at the moment, you know they're probably the form team. They are the form team, um, along with um, along with uh, Dublin at the moment. So you know we're going to have a, a huge, huge battle on our hands to to get anything out of that game. Well, it's the high flying Rossies up next for Mayo in two weeks. That game in Doctor Hyde Park, providing that they can get. Hyde Park right. Remember they had to move games out of there already this season. Roscommon have won four out of five this season so their um, lack of a home venue hasn't really hindered them. In fact the only game they have lost was at home in Kiltoom to Monaghan. Yesterday they picked up an excellent 119-17 to points win over Donegal in Letterkenny. After the game Roscommon joint manager Kevin McStay chatted with Shannon side FM's Willie Hegarty about a good display and what winning a game like uh, this meant to them. And what I really loved about this from Kevin McStay is that he didn't in any way hide how glad he was to get the victory. Have a listen. I thought today was a very level test about where we'd be. And uh, yeah, we dream about winning a match like, like this today. There's a big part of what we want to get them in full of confidence, these young boys, and, and see where it can bring them. But I'd be very proud of the way they apply themselves. Really, really great stuff. Two quick questions just to finish. Uh, number one, does it take a game by game, Kevin? Now, you're safe. Is the next priority a league semi-final? No, it's not a, it wouldn't be a priority at all at all. The, the, next, the next priority for us is now is measure ourselves against Mayo and see how far behind we are compared to Mayo. Are, are we perhaps not as far behind as other people might think? Are, are, you know, just how we're going to measure ourselves. That's what we're going to do. And if we're in it with 20 to go, we'll have a cut and see, see what's on offer. But uh, look, Mayo have been places we're only dreaming of going to. So uh, it'll be another great chance. I would equate it to what we had here today. So it would be a great buzz in the hide if we get it playable and get a big crowd in and let them see these, these young boys and, and, and what they're doing for their county. So that's Kevin McStay, the Roscommon manager. In Division 2, Tyrone have confirmed their promotion. They beat Meath 117-111 to in Navan. Uh, Leash, Meath and Armagh all level on three points at the bottom of the table. Armagh drew with Galway yesterday while Leash drew with Derry in Port Leash. This is some final score. Leash 122, Derry 5-10. That's one of those football matches you think to yourself, God, I really would love to see that. It's not often you think that about a, a Division 2 league game. Anyway, in Hurling, Dublin earned a 19 points to 14 win in Waterford. That's a first league loss for the Dacia in Walsh Park for nearly two years. Uh, that's a pretty impressive win for the Dubs. Uh, both teams now into the quarterfinals with one game remaining. Next week, they'll jockey for position. Dublin away to Kilkenny, Waterford hosting Galway. After the game in Walsh Park, WLRFM's Tomás McCarthy spoke to uh, Dubs boss Ger Cunningham. But first, Waterford selector Dan Shanahan. Yeah, Dublin won a better team. Um, Tomás, to be honest with you, but, uh, we look very dead in our feet. Uh, maybe because they are training we doing all week or, or something. But uh, we were dead today. But these things happen. And, um, it's our first defeat. In two years, I can't forget that. Like, you know, so we'll have a look at the DVD and stuff like that, and go on Galway next Sunday. Maybe we caught them on a good day in Walsh Park that we that they had qualified. But uh, nevertheless, I think the Dublin were the last team to come down here two years ago and win. I think uh, so. It's like, very very pleasing. Some of the aspects of the game very encouraging, and uh, we're delighted to be in the quarterfinal. And you clearly put in a lot of work into how Waterford would set up. You must be delighted with how your short game worked out today. Yeah, yeah sure. You know it. Every day is differently. You go up and play, but uh, you know, just let's show great, great composure on the ball. A lot of intelligence on the ball, so very encouraging. Uh, you were a point down at half time, which really seemed to kick on in that second yeah. half. A lot of good long, long distance points. Yeah, we were kind of disappointed with the last 10 minutes before half time. We kind of pushed us. We were 7 4 up, I think, and uh, kind of fell back a small bit. But you know, I thought we had played well. We showed, we showed good form from the start, and uh, you know, we. 
any bit of breeze was, was going with us in the second half, so it was nice to push it on. Got some good scores, worked, worked the ball in well, and uh, you know, just, uh, just, just nice to nice come away from us part with victory. This is the Rewind Sports Podcast on News Talk. We're talking hurling at the moment. That was Dublin manager Ger Cunningham. A cork in the relegation playoff following their 223 to 222 defeat to Kilkenny on Saturday night in what was an absolute belter in Porky Arena. And I think. Um, Anthony Daly summed it up best when he was commentating for Satanta and he said, did this crowd ever know when they're beaten? Or, or words to that effect about Kilkenny. It kind of summed it up nicely. Anyway, afterwards, Brian Cody spoke to Off the Ball's Dave McIntyre. Ahead of him, though, it's Rebels boss Kieran Kingston on a rumoured players-only meeting last week in the aftermath of their defeat to Dublin. And a heavy defeat it was as well. But first, Dave asked if they can take anything from the one-point defeat against Kilkenny because, in fairness, they did show a lot of pride. I suppose no matter what happened tonight we were probably going to be in a relegation battle and that was the fact of it but at the same time there's a game we wanted to win. Um, probably in the overall context we thought we probably deserved to win uh, but that's typical can, can either come back at you when you don't have time to react. But I suppose from our perspective this provides point about the result. Uh, happy with the performance in, in, the, most, in the main. Um, I think in, in particular when they came at us just after half time and again with 10 minutes to go so I thought we re- reacted quite well in both, in, on both occasions uh, and probably in, over the course of the first half we were probably uh, I think Kilkenny probably a little bit flattered to be only four points up at half time and, and, and for some reason they seemed to get a lot of frees and, and, and it kind of kept them again the first half and, and it, us being only four points up at half time I thought we thought we hurled better than that you know Yeah TJ Reid ended up at one twelve, and a lot of those frees were put over in the last quarter of the game and you were denied a free when Seamus Harnady went down on the edge of the D in injury time did you think a couple of the big calls went against you tonight that might have been the difference Well I'd have to see them again like in, 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 referee's a tough job like no different to the players and ourselves and I'd have to see them again but and, and the balance of play Okay, he got how many, how many scores from three, three to say? Well, he won 12 in total. I think he got uh, one three from play. One three from play, so nine from freeze, and I think Patrick Harrigan got six. Six from freeze. So, tell his own story. And on the, on the back of the defeat to Dublin, we believe there was a players' meeting on Monday night, players only. Was that something that they decided they needed to have themselves? A, 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 a no holds barred meeting amongst themselves, or did you maybe suggest it, or what was the situation there? No, that was a meeting players and management. You were, you were all there? Yeah, we're all there. And it was a sort of a, a night where everybody was able to I, say their piece and a few truths were told, were there? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it would be, it, the fact that games are coming week after week, it's very difficult when you're only out two nights in between or maybe one night, it's very difficult to get a time to spend a bit of time with players looking at videos and discussing, discussing things and whatever. And uh, we wouldn't be normally pulling guys out this time of the year for an extra night, but we felt it was, it was important to discuss or review our first three league games, and that's what we did. Brian... I've never seen Kilkenny panic over the years. Uh, you had plenty of reason to panic out there at times this, this evening. The goals went in at difficult times. You were losing by seven. Is it just down to experience the way you do those kind of things out? I should look at it. I mean, uh, you, can say, you can say all those things if you like, you know, and there's no easy answer to it. And I mean, when it went to seven, it could have gone to ten as well. Who knows? But I mean, if you keep fighting and keep, um, keep backing each other up and keep, I suppose, trusting yourself as well and, and doing the things that are kind of bred into you to do from, from, from when you were a young fella, that means you have to contest every ball with, an, uh, with a perfect attitude. You know, and we did that as best we could, but we were playing second fiddle for a long time. But again, it's, it's about, you know, keeping doing it and keeping doing it. And eventually, eventually we got ahead. And as it turned out, then we got ahead at the right time, you know. And if the game was decided on points in a box, a match or something, we, w- we wouldn't have won the game because they won more rounds than we did probably. But we won the game. This is the Rewind Sports Podcast on News Talk. And that was Brian Cody and before him, Kieran Kingston, the Cork manager. Uh, let's stay with GA because this Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, sees one of my favourite days in the GA calendar. It's All-Ireland Club final day. Should it be played 
before Christmas should all the club matches including the All-Ireland series be put into the one calendar year yes probably it should be but the fact is this is happening this week and we're going to enjoy it Rory O'Cushion Dahl of Antrim take on the Piershig in the hurling while in football Castlebar Mitchells who were beaten by St Vincent's two years ago take on Ballyboden St Enda's now Connell Keeney has been a big part of Ballyboden's story so far the former Dublin footballer who's currently a Dublin hurler almost didn't play the big ball game for his club this season but manager Andy McEntee convinced him and a few others to stick at it and come back again we'll find out how McEntee did that shortly but first I asked Connell if he thought winning an All-Ireland Club football title with Ballyboden would ever be possible. It's probably something that we always really wanted to, to get to as a club and albeit, I suppose being very honest, we always thought it would have been the hurlers that would get there you know, before the footballers but that's the way things go and um, just really looking forward to uh, a day out in Paddy's Day and it just gives us a great opportunity to win it. Go right back to the start when Andy took over. Ballyboden were looked at as, as a good team but not one of the favourites in Dublin. At what point did you think there's something about this guy, there's something about this group, this could really come together? Um, well, I don't think that's changed. Uh, I think if you look at the odds for next year or for this year's championship in Dublin, we're probably third or fourth again. We're never really rated, and uh, maybe it's because we don't have a huge amount of people on the county team. You know, we've always ones and twos, but uh, I think over the years this Ballyboden team are, are, are a unique bunch. You know, we're really, really hard to beat when we when we're, when we're all there and, we, and we're injury free. And this year it's been very, very lucky for us. We've been very very little injuries um, things have gone our way we've got our bit of luck in more than one occasion I would say um, but you know it's been many years where we've been on the other side of it so you have to ride your luck and hopefully it'll continue for one more day On the pitch was there a kind of a moment where it clicked we'll say in I think it was the second round in Dublin you played Kilmacud Croaks and maybe up until the last 10 minutes it looked like maybe Croaks are going to pull it clear but in fact it was the other way around Ye powered home you came good you got the scores when needed you did it when you were under pressure was that the, the, kind of the, the real spark in this team? Um, no I, I, I wouldn't say that I'd say the, the real spark was when um, Vincent beat us last year we were surprised at, at um, we were really disappointed in ourselves and we more or less kicked it away ourselves you know and, and we seen what Vincent went on to do so I think that was always at the back of our minds and we knew that if we could get back get everyone back and get injury free that we we would be there thereabouts in Dublin and 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 approve just that and you know um, I think that that day we we were beaten by Vincent's we learned a huge amount and I think Andy learned a huge amount about the players um, about our ambition uh, and and the young lads coming through were all motivated um, and it's been a long long road to get to even get back to uh, um, that game against Kim Good you're talking about that's a, that was a long long road a mentally a very tough road but when we got over that it was really about uh, the next game and, and, and getting over that and then when we got Vincent in the final it was a dream for us we, we, we wanted to get back and play them again um, and I think it, it showed in the first 10 or 15 minutes we, we just blew them out of the water um, it, it was something that we were, we were very much ready for and, and knew what they were going to offer but we just felt we had a, a whole lot more to give than, than, than the previous year It's a bit of a cliche to say everyone works hard for each other which you do it's a cliche because it's it's true but where, where does that work ethic come from because it's, it's pulled you through an awful lot of tight spots Clonmel commercials uh, that game against Crokes the game against Clontarf in which Michael Dara was sent off in the first half you know really tight spots in the championship this year that in other years you mightn't have got through yeah I, I, I can't really put my finger on it I suppose you have to give credit to Andy there really you know he, he doesn't take um, anything else but the best 
and uh, if you're not producing it you'll be taken off or he'll certainly let you know that it's not good enough um, and I think that's what's really needed and this what this club really needed over the years maybe we've had good managers and we've, we've won county titles which you know with Liam O'Dwyer excellent manager but maybe in previous times people managers were a little bit soft on us you know um, especially with the county lads coming back um, you know there'll be always a bit of leeway going you know if you don't perform well you know maybe you're tired and things you know they'll always be given the benefit of doubt but um, it's it's it, it is as it is with Andy you know you go and produce the goods um, and, and that's the bottom line if you don't produce the goods you won't be playing regardless of who you are and um, again it, it's all about work rate it's all about the team um, and no individual is bigger than the team the same cliches you hear all the time but um, it's coming from him from the top straight down um, and I think if, if you speak to him now he's as down to earth as anyone and um, you know you have to be at 100% training and matches and there's no excuses because you've been around a while so it takes something special to impress you because you have as I say played at the top level for so long and continue to do so yeah um, I, I've said it before um, he is probably one of the, the best managers that we've had and um, I suppose Paddy's day will really really uh, give us an indication of how good he is but um, look you can't question is there something is there a point when even early in the management that you as players know this guy is not a bullshitter because I think players can pick up on that but how do you pick up on it is it like the drills they do is it what they say is it the team they bring in how, how do you how do you how do you rate that in your head as a player and as a group of players um, well I suppose a, a, a quick example was this year I think three or four of us came together and we said we're just going to give the hurling a crack and see how it goes we're not going to play football and every time Andy was on the phone to us we were saying the same things to him the same things and all of a sudden we found ourselves going training we found ourselves he's come down and watch the training come down and watch a game and all of a sudden he calls you out in the team and you just can't say no to him like uh, um, and you know his, his his man management skills I suppose are, are, are because that he, he because he's that good his management skills you feel like you can't let him down then you know while other managers would be would be forcing to do things you know and, and you just don't want to let him down and, and I think it's the same for all the players um, does he kind of do oh look you're too important not to come along or how does he approach it uh, I wouldn't say no he never really says that now <laughs> um, but look I think he has great respect among the whole players in this panel and everyone really wants to to win it for him and win it for ourselves as much as anyone and um, but um, look it's been it's been a great road so far but it's still it's still a, a big the biggest day to come yet and for yourself you you'd be playing football in Crow Park again at, the, at one of the highest levels possible is it is it kind of like getting a second chance because it's something maybe you thought that you wouldn't get to do again playing football this is in Crow Park obviously you'll hope to get a few more chances at the hurling there but football uh, no I wouldn't have been like that um, it's another game Crow Park it's great to get back there it's been a while since I was back playing football there um, but no really looking forward to getting back out there and um, trying to kick a few scores and uh, we, you know it's just uh, it's it's exciting times, you know. And you look at around the, the the panel and talking to a few lads. There's an awful lot of lads that haven't played there before, you know. And you nearly take for granted that you know people have played there because a lot of lads have played underage. But you'd be surprised the amount of lads that haven't and don't know what it's like. Don't know what it's you know how actually big the pitch is. Um, 
but um, oh, look, look, it's really good. The atmosphere in the club is huge, and it's great for people that have been involved in the club for so long and have seen very little success, you know, be it hurling or football. And um, I think everyone is really getting getting behind the team now at the minute, and um, it's it, it, hopefully it'll be a great day for Ballyboden. I guess given the teams that are around Ballyboden and the Dublin Championship maybe people don't realise how good this bunch of players actually is and I know it's a bit of a cliche but in any other county there'd be an awful lot more of these guys playing county but when they see on the field they they have to see how good this bunch of players is and, and the work they put in yeah, I think every game players are getting better and better, and especially the younger lads, they're just they're coming on leaps and bounds, and you see them in training. You know, you're there, right? If they were in any other county, they would be playing inter-county football. But I suppose that's the standard that Dublin are at at the minute, and uh, I'm sure that some of these young lads, you know, if they keep going the way they're going, they will be pushing themselves. They'll be forcing uh, Jim Gavin's hand to pick to pick them and give them a chance because they're certainly good enough. But um, you know, probably in Dublin, you only really get one or two chances, um, and if you don't take them, you probably slip down the peck in order again but um, I'd like to think there'd be three or four lads that would be out of this team that would be competing anyway for places uh, come the summer for Dublin um, in, in, in the next few years anyway and what about you is there any massive dif- difference between playing a big hurling match in Crow Park and a big football match in Crow Park mentally is it different or are there different things you have to think about during the game before the game how do they compare um, not really I think I, I would focus in on uh, a lot of the same things, you know, the basics of the game, but um, obviously it's a little bit different now um, playing with your club there, you know. Um, and I suppose there's a little bit more emphasis emphasis on other inter-county players, you know, you are watching them, you, you do know them, and I suppose at inter-county level you nearly know everyone that you're marking and you know exactly nearly to a degree what they're doing because everyone does their homework on them. But um, I think we've done we've done a lot of homework on, on every team we played so far to a degree, but I think if we perform, you know, and and, and as we say all the time, if we're there, thereabouts, with 10, minutes, 10 or 15 minutes to go, we always seem to grind out that result, and um, we just never know when we're beaten, and I think it showed in every single game we played this year, um, that get the game to the last 10 or 15 minutes, and there'll only be one winner. Does the sheer size of Crow Park make a difference to this game? Does it kind of add a... Add, add something that you haven't had to deal with so far this season um, I think it'll make us better you see most of the lads here are, are so well uh, they're all great athletes they're well able to, to, to get around and I think the pitches that the, uh, the last couple of games have been kind of slowing us down a bit and we're you know, going away from what we're trying to do we're trying to move the ball fast as we can and, and get all the lads that are, are, are runners to run with the ball and it's been a bit hard to do that but um, I think Crow Park will, will really uh, show how good some of these players really are Colin Keeney speaking to the Rewind Sports podcast here on News Talk well that's it for this week next week we're back with a review of the Manchester Derby it's live and exclusive next Sunday on Off the Ball it kicks off at 4 o'clock we'll also have Alliance League hurling and Six Nations rugby until next Monday from myself Oshin Langan goodbye don't forget to check out the SSE Electricity Electricity League podcast by the way this Wednesday with Richie and I and of course there's Electricity League as always on Off the Ball on Tuesday night until next week on the Rewind take care good luck Rewind with Oshin Langan